Good morning. I brought all the books I'm reading right now just in case I need one of them. So. There's only four up here. So. Good. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron. I think I know just about everybody. Anybody here for the first time? Awesome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Okay. So I'm going to um, invite us to drop into some silence. And what I'm going to invite you to do, inspired by the, the material that I want to share today, and I'm just so blessed. I'm, I have read this chapter many, many times this week, and each time I read it, I'm just moved to a deeper connection of, of unity and um, coherence. And so I invite you to just open yourself, to put down your busy mind, focus on your breathing. Let the chime be a, a pathway to your heart. You know, there's a, a, there's, a, there's a study on the planet right now called heart math, and we have a, we've offered the heart math class, class here many times. But heart math is really about the power of the heart and how beautiful it is, the resonance it creates when we connect at the heart level. And it's transformative. And so, for me, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a state of, of, of mourning, is what I realize, and, and, and sadness and sorrow uh, around the passing of a, a sister. And the interesting thing is I think I'm complete with it and then it just comes up in waves. So I'm going to let that guide me today and, 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 be my, and, and be with it and celebrate it because there's nothing wrong with feeling deeply, especially when, when someone passes and uh, you wish that their experience could have been different here. That's unique to this particular situation, but um, I know that that's moving through me because that's what is alive. So I invite you to just drop into your heart whatever's alive for you, it's okay. And if it brings you to tears, if it brings you to sorrow, then let that move through you as well because it's not who we are, it's just the experience we're having. And so as I sound the chime, I invite you to drop into your heart to the, the, the best of your capacity. If your busy mind distracts you, just bless it. Release it, label it. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. Because you're just thinking, that's the mind's job. All right, let's drop in. This very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the 
And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very And so let's know this together, that we are the thing itself, individualized. Do you understand what an opportunity, what a privilege, what an honor it is that we have been blessed? That we are the individualized expression of the one, that there is no separation, there is only God. That's all that there is. And so we are source, given birth from source. We're not the totality, but we are a member of that source. There is no separation. So standing at this day, in this, this day, I know that it is not only the word spoken, it is the consciousness upon the words. It is the grace and the beauty. It is the energetic of what we create and generate together in the power of the swarm. And so this gathering this day can be exquisite and extraordinary if each one of us is clear about who we've come here to be. Who have you come here to be? on this planet is the question and then deciding what it is and who you are and following accordingly I give thanks this day knowing that we are blessed with the musicians with our sound technology with our volunteers with our the generations that have come through the doors of this community what was what is and what is yet to be that we give birth to is so beautifully articulated in our announcements this day that something powerful and beautiful is finding its way in and through and as this community that we are giving birth to something that is emerging that is in alignment at a deeper level with what this beautiful teacher Dr. Ernest Holmes and all of the great avatars throughout the ages have said it is not I but the Father within this divine spirit this divine presence within that I live from and move and have my being I am source giving to source. For this I give thanks. I release these words and invite you to say with me. And so it is. Alrighty. So I'm going to invite Sue up for a second. We're going to do something. A couple little things to continue to practice our, uh, the things that are meaningful and powerful. So I've asked Sue. So I brought my, my cue card with me. I bring it with me. Our cue card is our quantum series that we've done our training. And I've got a great exciting uh, um, offer, opportunity for each person here if you're interested today. Uh, and I, I have my cue card here, which I've so, uh, shared last week, and I've asked Sue, one of our practitioners, and just a, a touchstone. This is one of the cornerstones of our community here. This woman has been Sue Edwards. Thank you, Sue. Turn the mic on for you. And while you're reading this, I just I'm going to walk over and get some Kleenex because I'm I'm leaking. But you go right ahead. Please have compassion for me when I show up as what I'm not, unlovable a misfit, not enough, not important, a fake, stupid. For this is who I've come here to be, open-hearted, grounded, compassionate, fun-loving, generous, loving, wise, authentic, and confident. And so it is. Thank you, Sue. So if you're interested in doing that in front of everybody and being supported in that, I, you let, come and see me, because we're going to do it every week. 
This is part of the new practice that we've adopted here, and we've been asked. Dr. Gary said to me, Dr. Pat, you need to be doing this every week. And so I mentioned that at the operations meeting, and, and uh, we realized that, yeah, we do need to do that every week. I do it every day, as a matter of fact, many times. But it's important, it's important to know who we are, why we're here. Um, and I'm going to, before I, I uh, finish up today, I've got an opportunity. So if you haven't had the opportunity to do the Q process and you'd like to, to, be, to be able to have a Q card, I talked to Dr. Gary Simmons this week and we are creating that opportunity today. So if you leave before the, uh, the lesson is done, you lose. All right. So celebrating 100 years of the science of mind, God's will. So where does this title come from? It comes from living the science of mind. Because... So many people will say, well, it's God's will. What is God's will? Dr. Holmes says, so the three ideas, first of all, is what, what is God's will, number one. We're going to talk about that a little bit. because he, he, And this is Ernest Holmes' definition. Is it the only definition? Of course not. You can have your own definition of what God's will is. Many people do. And let them have their, their definition. Let them live in their belief system. We're not here to wrestle anybody's belief system away from them. We may offer, a, a, we may model something for them, that may help inspire them or shift them because we are here to transform lives and inspire people to make a positive difference in the world at the end of the day. That's why we exist. So what is God's will? Number two, the truth is limitless and how we sabotage ourselves, which Dr. Holmes talks about in this, this short little chapter, Living, Living the Science of Mind. It's one of his great books. There's a number of short little chapters in here. So, and we're using... Um, uh, this thing called you as well this, this month. So to the scientific mind, the will of God is manifest in the immutable laws of the universe. So the scientists will say to you, though, this is, this is God. This is gravity. This is how oxygen works. This is how water formulates. All of those things are God. And it's very scientific and it's very measured. And then you have the overzealous religious and their definition of the will of God appears to come through some special revelation giving birth to a certain spiritual system of thought which forever after is to be taken dogmatically and accepted without question a truth and a faith once and for all delivered. So this explains a bit of how we end up with, with formal religion. Our group's the only group. We're going to heaven. You know, when I was a young Catholic sitting in church and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to go to heaven with this crew. There's no fun But that's the way the mind of a seven-year-old works. God's will and God's nature, as Dr. Holmes said, must be identical. And so let's talk about the nature, because the nature is the name. What is your nature? And when we have a cue card alive in our lives, we live from our nature. This is the qualities that I have chosen. This is my purpose. These are the principles. You know, Boy Scouts have it. Boy Scouts have a pledge. You know, leave, leave the environment better than when they found it. Be honest. Tell the truth, be helpful, serve. It's good for those young guys to have that. It's good on ramping. If the nature of God, and this is Dr. Holmes, I'm just I'm take, going through the chapter bit by bit because it's just so rich and wonderful. If the nature of God is limitation and bondage, then the will of God must be limitation and bondage. Once again, the nature and the will are identical in the, in the, the consciousness and the articulation of Dr. Ernest Holmes. So if the nature of God be of limitation and bondage, then the will of God must be limitation and bondage. Anybody here sign up for limitation and bondage? But look out in the world. 
We are inundated with lack, lack consciousness. We're going to do our AGM on Wednesday. And one of the things that is my responsibility here is I am the spiritual director of this community. And if someone wants to get up and speak the language of something that doesn't line up with what's in the concordance and the science of my textbook, because I'm going to have them both out here, and I'm going to ask them to point out to me where Dr. Holmes articulated and spoke in a language of separation and lack. I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think that's a reasonable expectation to call ourselves to a higher ideal and to show up who we've come here to be. But when we, when we give so much bandwidth to lack and limitation and hysteria and there's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough, you know what Donald, you know what Donald Trump's mantra is? There's not enough. There's just not enough. So we've got to put, put walls up. And people of color are bad. They're a threat. And I mean, all of this lack and, and, and ignorance, I don't want to call him stupid. He's not stupid. He's just using his energy in a way that is not productive and creative. And so when we hear the, lack, the, the conversation of lack and limitation, it's our responsibility within ourselves to say, no, no, no. We don't have to say it out loud. We just have to remind ourselves, that's not the truth of my being. I didn't come here for limitation and bondage. Dr. Holmes says that when we use the word God, we mean the great reality. That's all God means. I have people come to me all the time, well, God's a woman too. And I'll say, I'm not saying God the man. And they insist that I, 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 I it's just, it, it's almost as if it becomes a labor for me to find the right word that fits that sense of bondage to an idea. It's like, get over it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God's will is always towards life and more life. That's what God, God's will is. God's will is always towards life and more life. This is so true. The, the, the infinite unity, the final truth back of all manifest life, the absolute and causeless cause, the one unconditioned, complete and perfect being, indivisible, changeless and whole, all of these descriptive terms are synonyms for the word God. I'll read them again. Infinite unity, absolute and causeless cause, the one unconditioned, complete and perfect being, Indivisible, changeless, and whole. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. If the nature of God and reality were unhappiness, and most people, as Dr. Holmes writes in this chapter, are unhappy, it's a very popular activity. Let's see how unhappy I can be today. I don't think we ask for that, we just do it because our needs aren't getting met. You know, a friend of mine that works a 12-step program all the time, great sponsor, says, the only bad day I have is the day I don't get my way. <laughs> that's true for all of us, because that's our egoic nature. We've got to have our way. So what is God's will? How do I partner with that? If the nature of God or reality were unhappiness, then the will of God would be towards unhappiness. But to suppose that the nature of God could be toward any form of limitation is to suppose not only an inconsistency, but an impossibility. It just ain't real, but we make it real. So the second idea is the truth is limitless, and this expands on this idea of God's will as well. The truth is limitless. The nature of God, then, is not one of limitation or bondage, but liberty. How are you having your life right now? How are you having your life right now? Is it in bondage? Is it in lack? Is it in limitation? Is it, is it in anger and frustration? How, you can have your life any way you want it. You're ordering it up all the time. And there is a way to shift into these qualities in the nature of the infinite. But it's, it's rigorous and it requires dedication and devotion. The nature of God then is one of liberty. 
uh, is not one of limitation but bond, uh, or bondage, but liberty. Our divine inheritance is self-sufficiency, perfection, peace, wholeness. And this must include abundance, self-expression, accomplishment, and happiness. I, I'm good with that. Anybody here opposed to abundance, self-expression, accomplishment, and happiness? See, those, that's the way we have life. And those things are not determined by what we have materially in our lives. But the paradox is, is that, that things show up in our life because we're living that way, because we become a magnet for it. And if it's not showing up in our lives, well, it just says well, there's more work to do. Dr. Ernest Holmes would say this. J. Scott Neal would say it over and over and over again. He was a student of Dr. Holmes. We would go to a Silomar every year, and Dr. J. Scott Neal would say, Dr. Holmes says if your minister isn't driving a brand-new Cadillac, don't go, don't go there. Every time I went to a Silomar, I thought, I don't even like Cadillacs. What am I going to do? And it wasn't about a car. It was, it's not about material stuff, but it's about the consciousness of abundance. Tom Costa, beautiful minister, Tom Costa, um, in um, Palm Springs. Incredible guy. 25 years there. Couldn't find a replacement for him for five. They kept hiring ministers and kicking them out because they weren't Tom Costa. He was, a, he was a bartender. That's what prepared him to do ministry. So I've been drinking heavy ever since I learned that. You know what the congregation did for Tom Costa one year? They bought him a Rolls Royce. They bought him a Rolls Royce. Dr. Gary Simmons writes a beautiful story in Eye of the Storm. I have it right here with me. I'm reading it right now. A beautiful book. Talks about a minister that got paranoid because people were sneaking around and he didn't know what was going on and there was all these whispering amongst his board members and, and uh, all this subterfuge going on. And the minister started getting paranoid. What are they going to do? What's going on here? And believe me, I know what this looks like. I've been there. It turns out that they, were, they uh, decided that in the gratitude for the work that, that this person had done, they would buy him a luxury home. And they didn't want him to know. They wanted to surprise him. So they called this special meeting, and he didn't know what was going to go on, and they're going to you know, fire him or whatever, and they brought him in and said, we are so grateful for what you've done. Here's, here's a new home for you and your wife. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? But it's all how we hold life and have life. Now, I'm, saying, I'm not saying I want a Rolls Royce. I got a reliable vehicle out back, believe me. And I don't need a luxury home. I got a beautiful home. But I'm just saying, this is abundance. This is abundance. It shows up because that's what we are. Not because we're chasing it. Because it just, it comes to us. Because that's what we are. The nature of God is wholeness. The nature of of wholeness is happiness. The nature of happiness is peace. The nature of peace is harmony. And the nature of harmony is joy. I think I have a slide with that on it. There it is. God's will is always towards wholeness, peace, poise, power, and self-expression. It's always towards more life. Wholeness, peace, poise, power, and self-expression. So whichever way we turn the proposition, we are compelled to understand the nature of reality with a capital R. The nature of God is perfect. Therefore, the will of God, which can never be divorced from God's nature, must always be towards what it says up on that slide. Wholeness, peace, poise, power, and self-expression. If the will of God is the will of abundance, it follows that God cannot, 
cannot, will lack, want, or limitation. It follows that all bondage is of the human. We created it. It's self-imposed. It's self-imposed. So how do you unravel that? How do you unravel where you are right now? Well, you, make, you strike new agreements. You decide who you've come here to be, not who you've come here not to be. In the final analysis, what a person believes about God inevitably influences his entire experience in life. It certainly follows that if we believe the supreme will of the universe is towards suffering, we cannot possibly escape the suffering imposed by such belief operating through the law of cause and effect. If we've got suffering alive in us, suffering will show up. It finds us like a magnet, like a heat-seeking missile. The intuition senses deliverance, deliverance is at hand. See, we do intuitively know freedom is at hand. But the intellect does not comprehend the manner in which this may become manifest. So we sense it, but we don't have the capacity or the awareness or the mindfulness or the consciousness to give it birth. Because we've got all these scripts memorized. That's why the Q process is a 21-day process to lay down a new track, a new bandwidth, a new spiritual bandwidth so that we have, we have a slight, slightly better opportunity to memorize something new and powerful and beautiful. And look at those areas of, of limitation that we've been living from, the things that we are not. Jesus said, God is the God of the dead, is, is not the God of the dead, but, the, but of the living. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. The intuition senses deliverance is at hand, but the intellect does not comprehend the manner in which it may become manifest. A person must constantly reaffirm the belief in the infinite goodness if we expect to exclude the idea of evil from our thoughts. So we have to feed ourselves the characteristics and the qualities that we want to experience to bring a potency to it. We must patiently, persistently, and insistently show people that the will of God cannot be toward anything other than that which is good. That the will of God and the nature of God are identical and must forever remain so. That there is nothing in the universe which opposes their good. This law must present itself to each individual according to their beliefs. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to have you stand up right now and I'm going to find somebody that you don't know and you say good morning to them. All right. Introduce yourself. Awesome. There we go. So I want you to say to that person, there is nothing in the universe that opposes your good. There is nothing and no one against you. You are beautiful. Amazing, Amazing. Powerful. powerful, and an inspiration. And, an inspiration. and, so, it and so it is. All right, there we go. Yeah, because I tell you what, that is the truth. And we need to know that. And we need to own that. We have all been, we've all driven ourselves. We've all been ridden hard and put away wet as the horse trainer would say. Because we have. Because we're masters at that. If people only knew my secrets. Ah, stop it. That's life. People do, you know what? If you got somebody they're holding resentment against right now, let's just make an agreement right now. They did the best they could. 
It might have been really meagerly and lousy and horrible in your opinion, but that's what they had that day. They lied for a reason. They stole something from you for a reason because they believe in lack. Why do people steal? They believe in lack. There's an investment in lack. They have taken this vital earth, this vital precious energy and said, there's not enough. I've got to take from somebody else. And the thing that, that happens, which we, we miss many times, is there is a law of cause and effect. There's karma. When, you, when someone takes something that doesn't belong to them, it sets up a chain reaction. The universe demands balance. The universe isn't punishing us. Dr. Holmes said we're not punished for our sins. We're punished uh, by our sins. We're punished for our sins. In other words, the activity, if it is out of alignment with integrity, will set up a chain reaction to bring things back into balance. It's just the way it works. And, and we may know about it. We may feel, oh, this person needs to be punished now. It's coming. It's coming down there. And it's not a punishment. It's just a law of cause and effect that shows up. I don't know, and, and, and we think it's only in this lifetime. Who knows? Who knows what you showed up with? I don't know, and it's none of my business. What's my business right now is my consciousness and how can I inspire you to make a positive difference in the world, and for me too, because that's what I want to live from. Otherwise, there's so many things that are, it's, it's so great to judge other people, because then I don't have to focus on myself. I don't have to do any of my work. You know, I had a beautiful conversation. We had a prep meeting for our, our AGM. And, and our beautiful board chair, Jennifer Bowerman, says, you know, this shouldn't be easy. And I said, I agree. And it isn't easy. We think, oh, we're going to go to the Center for Spiritual Living and we're going to get an affirmation. And I'm going to repeat that affirmation over and over again. And then I'm going to demonstrate the new whatever it may be. And I'm going to have more stuff in my life. I'm going to talk about it in the second service. But the problem is that we, without a change in consciousness, all we do is we, we gather more stuff in our lives we've got to manage. We just create more stress. Our stress just gets elevated because we don't have the capacity to manage. This is why people win the lottery and are broke within three, four years. The consciousness hasn't shifted. It's a perfect example. You can do all of the treasure mapping and the intention setting and manifestation. You go round and round and round with it. And why can't I hang on to any of it? Well, I demonstrated the right and perfect, at the RPM, the right and perfect mate. And they ended up being just like the last one. Well, how about that? Because we, what is unintegrated within us, we draw into our lives automatically. We are a beacon. Oh, I am victim. And then we attract the right and perfect oppressor. We have to. The law, the law demands it. We've got to fulfill this. This is our, our prophecy. This is our destiny. So stop being a victim. It'll change the whole relationship. Your oppressor will either have to do a new dance with you or will have to go find somebody else to oppress. If your oppressor decides this is who they are, wish them well. Thank you so much. I got the healing out of this I needed. It's a beautiful thing. How we sabotage ourselves. Oh, I should read you the one about the prodigal son. Holmes talks about the prodigal son. We have a little time here. Holmes says this. Thus, using the metaphor of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son had two sons. One son went, took all the money, went out, had a big party, ran out of money, came home, you know, drunk, all messed up. You know, he just had to eat with the pigs for a while because he went through his whole inheritance. Father sees him coming down the road, tells the servants, oh, slaughter the, the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. He's come home. He runs out and gives him a big hug. Well, the other brother is not good with this. Wait a minute. 
What's up with this? I stayed home, did all the work, took care of things, was loyal, and this, this clown went out and spent all the money and had a good time, and you're welcoming him back. That's the nature of the infinite. I'm not encouraging you to go spend all the money and go have a, uh, you know, a, a six-month party, but I'm saying that it's a metaphor. It, all it requires is this turning in the direction of the divine, turning within and welcoming. And he says this, that it, Thus it is that the Father advances to meet the Son and enfolds him in his embrace. They were never really separated. The Son had merely misdirected his energy. The most beautiful thought of all is that when he redirects this energy into a constructive channel... His evil experience was terminated and a new use of the law was put into effect. <clears throat> this simple but most profound method did the, uh, did the great way shower teach the simple truth of our relationship to the parent mind. All that requires is a change of thinking, a change of directing our energy. That's why we do the forgiveness work so it can be about the business, our father's business. And the qualities that it represents, wholeness, love, joy, beauty, abundance, creativity. And, and see, it hasn't been created yet. And that's a great thing. That's exciting. There's, there's an opportunity here to create. We, you, know, this, you know, I was watching, I was watching the History Channel yesterday, and they talked about Lewis and Clark. And Lewis and Clark, of course, started in St. Louis, and they went. They were told by President Jefferson to go out to Oregon and explore. They didn't know what was out there. They thought that... Jefferson thought there were dinosaurs in the western United States at that point in time. They didn't know what was there. And they get up to a point in um, uh, oh, North Dakota, Montana, somewhere. And they are, they're encamped there. It's wintertime. And all of a sudden, in the door comes a, a Canadian trapper and his indigenous wife. And it was Sacagawea, if you know the story. And Sacagawea was 17 years old, and she decided she would guide Lewis and Clark the rest of the way. And so... Here's these guys, they don't know where they're going. I mean, they know they're going west, but they don't know what they're going to encounter. And they're, they're, they're holed up, and of course, and I'll tell you why she showed up. She showed up because something was alive within the consciousness of that group or an individual that was clear enough to bring the right and perfect guide to them. The right and perfect help showed up because someone was available to it and drew it to them like a magnet to a flame. Is it right or wrong? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying, well, this is great so, the, so that the white settlers could take over all the indigenous land. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the law was working and someone there was clear enough and determined enough to call forth into the experience the right and perfect guide. That's all that happened. I'm not getting into the political ramifications of it. But that's what happened. And then along the way, they meet a hostile tribe. They meet the Shoshone. And the Shoshone all have their arrows that's portrayed. They're all ready to kill these, these foreigners. And Sacagawea walks up. The 17-year-old girl walks up. And here the chief of these warriors is her lost brother. What is the synchronicity of this? This is somebody's consciousness at work to bring into their experience the right and perfect assistance so they can succeed to get to their destination. That's all it is. Forget the politics. Forget all the ramifications and the things that have gone on because some of that is sad. What I'm saying is consciousness was alive there. And so when we set, up, we set a, a container, an opportunity for possibility, and we continue to work in that direction and hold fast to that because that's important to us, the right support, the right teachers, the right guides, the right ideas will show up. We've had that happen here in our community in, in the last year. There were things going on here that I didn't understand. I still don't understand. I don't need to understand them. But it helped create 
an opportunity for people to step into leadership so that something different could happen. And you're seeing it unfold. And it hasn't been just one person, it's a number of people. And it's programs. Because I realize we are not, we are not living what Dr. Holmes said. We're spending far too, we're giving too much energy to fear and lack and limitation. There is enough. Steve Sandy over here. Steve's been here every day for months as a volunteer. Helping us, guiding us, being in conversation. I gotta tell you, if Steve hadn't showed up, I don't know if I would still be here, quite honestly. Because I couldn't carry this, this, the, the responsibility the way I'd carried it in the past. Dr. Gary Simmons showing up right in perfect time. Dr. Jennifer Bowerman. Wayne, doc, um, doctor, I made you a doctor now. Dwayne Baker Henderson. Darren Kemp. Rudy Coop. People came together. Sue Edwards sits in the meetings with us every week. We talk about, we strategize, beautiful consciousness. Reverend Tammy Banting's been here since I've been here, longer than I've been here. And, and, and all it takes is a handful of people to strike an agreement. There's a wonderful book here by Lynn McTaggart, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, called The Power of Eight. This is incredible. You read this book. We're, we're going to launch this, but not right now because we're going to get our spirit groups. Power of Eight groups are not spirit groups. Spirit groups are a whole different thing, and I don't want to mix them. We're going to get our spirit groups going, and we're going to, over time, introduce these Power of Eight. Power of Eight is amazing. It's research of Lynn McTaggart, how a group of people get together, and they pray for someone other than themselves. And, it, and, it, and they know now through the research that it activates parts of the brain that are not activated otherwise. This is full of research. It's incredible. And it's, it's testimonials of all the research and all the success that's happened. It's transformative. Because when we meditate, when our meditation is all self-centered and our prayer is all self-centered, there are things within us that don't get activated. And so when we're in service to another, that's why the spirit groups are so great because there's, a, there's an outreach uh, component to it. When you're in service to others, you activate something that is not available otherwise. It's beautiful to live in this time. But how do we sabotage it? Let me get back to that. Every moment that man is unhappy, or woman, I think I made it man and woman. Yeah, there we go. Man and because I didn't want to leave the ladies out. It said man. I thought, no, well, girls want to be part of this too, don't they? Every moment the man or woman is unhappy and unexpressed, he or she is tearing down their own personality. The moment we become inwardly connected, we begin to build it up again. The will of God is towards the more abundant life because the life expresses, that life expresses God. So abundance is God's nature. And see, we teach oneness. We teach oneness. A beautiful video. Uh, what I'm going to start doing, now we did these planting the seed meetings all year long because there were people that needed to know what was going on all the time, and more information isn't going to get us there, believe me. But there were people that demanded that, and this board, God bless them, did, the, did four or five of these plant the seed meetings, and I bless them and thank them because that's what had to clear the hysteria, the chaos, and the lack so I'm so grateful for that. And we'll do that again, but we're not going to do it like that because if we're going to meet, we're going to do a spiritual practice together. If we're going to meet, we're going to come together and shift consciousness. And I will meet with you after, on Sundays, one Sunday a month, I'm going to meet and I'm going to show you the videos from Dr. Gary. I'm going to explain mission-centric. I'm going to explain this science because I want freedom for you because I want freedom for me. And I want abundance for you. Thank you. I do. We have done enough of this, beating ourselves up. We have an opportunity here that is so sweet and wonderful and powerful. 
I'm telling you, and it's never been done before. And there's something that comes alive in me that keeps me in the game. I called Dr. Garrett, went home on Thursday. I had to get out of here. I was at my wits end. I said, I'm ready to call it quits. I'm done. I'm done trying to argue limitation away from people. I believe in what Dr. Ernest Holmes wrote. And if we can't experience it here and teach it and mentor it and love one another and, and give birth to that, then what good are we? This is difficult stuff. It's deep stuff. And it is such rich and wonderful stuff. And as we give birth to it, we, we, we create a vacuum that other people can follow behind us. And Dr. Gary said to me, Patrick, you have come here to teach this. You have come here to be a master teacher, and you need to push through this. And I said, I will. But you know what? Just like Sacagawea showed up, I needed to hear that then from somebody that had gone before me. He said, we are here to give birth to this because this is what life is calling us to be. So how can we stand in the eye of the storm when all swirling around us? And we want to we honor that because that's life. Life is chaotic. How can we be the best we can possibly be? So I share that with you because I have days too where I forget. And then I got to pull out my cue card. Because in the, when I got on the phone with Dr. Gary, because he knew. I didn't call him to say, hey, let's have a chat. He called me. He knew. Because I was in uh, my, the, the things I'm not here to be. Feeling alone, flawed, self-centered, fearful, in lack, disappointment, and broken. That's who I've come here not to be. <clears throat> so, the life, the life that is cramped, warped, timid, and fearful, which I just described my experience to you the other day, does not express the divine being so completely as this free-swinging self-expression of the soul pronouncing God's work to be good. Let me read that to you again. The life of this cramped, warped, timid, and fearful does not express the divine being so completely as the free-swinging self-expression of the soul pronouncing God's work to be good, announcing through every experience the ecstasy of self-expression. The ecstasy of self-expression. We're here to live in ecstasy of self-expression. I'm, I'm for that. God bless Dr. Ernest Holmes. We do not honor God by being poor. Weak and unhappy, nor do we limit God by such experiences. What we do in our negative experiences misdirect the positive energy which is already in us. For there is only one final energy, just as there's only one final mind, and this final energy are always manifesting through us at the level of our consciousness of life and our comprehension of its meaning. Hence the importance of re-educating the mind to a more direct perception of its relationship to God. Through every subtlety, by every illusion, by the logic of human experience, we are led from reality with a capital R into our dream of separation. The dream that we are in right now is that there's something other than God. And what Dr. Gary said to me the other day on the phone, and he sent a video out, and I'm going to share part of it on the, at the AGM because it's so inspiring. He said what we need to grow into is to understand we are source. We are source. And when we give, whatever we give, 
We are giving from source to source because there's only one of us here. And it's such a beautiful thing. When you give and operate from that, there's such freedom in that. It's like, oh my God. I'm giving back to the source of life that helps beat my heart and has given me this opportunity to be crafted in shape and to give birth to consciousness. What price does transformation, what is the value of that? And I'm not just talking about financial. That is part of it. That's one of the ways we measure where we are in this realm. We're in a material realm. We, we, we have cups and saucers so we can eat. We have air so that we can breathe. I shared with somebody the other day, you know, to, to say that, I'm, you know, that I don't do abundance. It's like saying, well, I'm not going to breathe anymore. I, I get this thing about air. I'm not doing it anymore. Well, in theory, you go right ahead, but it's not sustainable. It's the world we live in. There's an exchange that goes on. Part of the exchange is, I got a handful of uh, loonies here. Part of the exchange, the realm we live in, it's how we hold it. It's how we hold it. And we say, oh, I don't do that. Well, okay, good for you. I do it. Because I think the more that we have, the more influence and impact we can have in the world. I want people to know about this. So I have a, I have a prayer treatment I wrote about this. I'm going to ask Bill to play it for you. And then before the uh, um, uh, offering, Bill's going to cue this up. So I've been doing a series of prayer treatments. And I was sitting doing my work. And what I found is it's really effective for me to stop every once in a while and do a prayer treatment based on the research I've done. And I really got going yesterday. So I loaded a bunch of them. It's going to be on our website, and then eventually it's going to move into subscription, but it'll be a prayer a day, so there'll be 365 prayers on that site by the end of the year. And this is a prayer I did called God's Will. Bill? God's Will. Ernest Holmes writes on page 136 of How to Live the Science of Mind that God's will and God's nature must be identical. If the nature of God is limitation and bondage, the will of God must be limitation and bondage. And by the word God, Dr. Holmes says we mean the great reality. He uses synonyms to describe God, infinite unity, the final truth back of all manifest life, the absolute or causeless cause, the one unconditioned, complete and perfect being, indivisible, changeless and whole. All of these describe what he means by the word God. And so we know what we know of this nature and recognize this nature, that that nature is our nature here and now. So let us move into this powerful, coherent state of being together. Join me energetically to claim our divine inheritance, which is self-sufficiency. We have everything we need here and now, for God's life is my life. There's a divine perfection that lives within each and every one of us. That perfection I celebrate this day, and I celebrate your perfection, and I support you in expressing that perfection. That divine inheritance is peace, peace that passeth all understanding, for the nature of God is peace. And when we can embody peace in our own being, in our own nature, we close that gap, that apparent gap of separation from spirit, from source. We are wholeness. Our divine inheritance is wholeness. Wholeness in the integration of both the light and the shadow the darkness and the light, so that we can stand in the chaos of life and not be diminished. For we know the truth of our being, which is abundance, self-expression, accomplishment, and happiness. It is infinite possibility. Abundance is infinite possibility, but it's gone before. In no way, shape, or form determines where we go from here, unless we allow it to. 
And so we stand in the wholeness, the peace, the poise, the power, and self-expression this day and celebrate it, celebrating that God's will is for the greatest and the good, the goodness that is finding us here and now. We see it everywhere we look if we choose to do so. We must affirm, as Dr. Holmes said, and reaffirm our belief in the infinite goodness if we expect to exclude the ideas of evil from our thought. For evil is a reality and an idea for many people, but it need not be our reality. For goodness is a higher, stronger, more vibrant and beautiful expression. And so wherever we see goodness, we claim it as our own. We claim it as God being expressed in so many ways. And this is our opportunity this day. This is God's will for freedom. Not to be subjugated, but to be freed, to create, to express in ways that perhaps God cannot even imagine. For that is the delight and part of this partnering and co-creation. So I give thanks this day. I know that we've set the table, that we stand in these qualities. We stand in the beingness of our being and give love and life to all. For this I give thanks and give love and life to ourselves as well. For this I give thanks. I release these words. And so it is. So I'll tell you what. I'm all in. I'll do everything I can. I'll create everything I possibly can so that we can all thrive and give birth and live in that that unlimited potential and possibility. So I wanted to say to you, if you haven't done a cue process and you'd like a cue card, where there are forms back to my left, if you turn around, they'll be on the left on the table there. There's three of them. One is, and you'd start with this, is the eye of the storm. Who are, uh, who are you not? And there's a little question here, here, here that you'll fill out, and it'll guide you into who you are not. So you'll check off my limiting belief list, and you'll look and look at that. Then you go to, who have you come here to be? And you'll identify, and there's, you, and there's guidance through that. There's script there. It's very short. But you'll find examples of people that you admire. And then what's, what, uh, what qualities they represent for you. And then you have a sheet, your cue card. This is who I've come here to be. And this is who I am not a sense of. And Sue so beautifully modeled that. And what I'm going to invite you to do is take one with you. If you're coming to the AGM, have it filled out when you get here. We'll take time for those that aren't here today and won't be here later to fill this out because we're going to up our game. And when we show up for this AGM, we're going to, we're going to stay on our cue cards. We're going to show up as we, who we have come here to be. We're going to do our best anyway because I want the best for you. And when we, we go off the rails in lack and limitation, fear, it doesn't serve anyone. And we have to acknowledge it. We have to hold it. But we, we, we can't sit for an hour and entertain ideas of fear and lack and limitation that don't take us anywhere. And so I think we've learned enough as a community. It's time for this community to grow up and use this teaching. And if we're not going to use the teaching, then let's go back to the Catholic Church. they got plenty of good seating there now, I understand. <clears throat> That's always available. This isn't the only stop. But if we're going to do it, let's show up our best. So thank you so much for being part of this journey. Thank you for being part of this, this tribe of possibility and understanding. And here comes Darren and Teresa and Kelly. Thank you so much, guys, for, for being with us. So blessings. I hope to see you. The sheets are back there. I hope to see you Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock. Thank you so much. And so it is.